Today I was pondering, what would I do differently if I could go back in time and start over, but know then what I know now? Then I had this thought that sharing that might be really helpful for you if you're just starting out and wanna build a sustainable teaching career, or even if you're a little further along and want to avoid making some of the same mistakes that I did. You're listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. So I'm recording this episode as the fifth anniversary episode of the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. I can hardly believe that it's been five years. I had to do the math several times before I was willing to say it out loud on the podcast. Before I share my musings on what I think I could have done better when I was starting out, I want to say thank you to everyone who listens to the podcast, either regularly or sporadically. Last year, the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast crossed the threshold of over 1 million downloads, which really blows my mind. I remember my very first episode got about 200 downloads in the first week, and I was super happy with that. My brain wasn't thinking anywhere in the millions. I mean, I wasn't even thinking beyond the next few episodes, to be honest. So to know that my work has been downloaded more than a million times is super, super humbling, and I don't take it for granted. Thank you. When I think back over my time as a yoga teacher, I've been teaching since 2005. There are three points of time that feel like beginnings where I could have done things differently. And not to get too philosophical, but I also know that what I struggled with in the past led me to where I am now. So I have no desire to actually go back. It's more just an interesting thought exercise that could benefit others and might be interesting to others. I hope you like it. The first time frame where I feel like I could have done things differently and better was when I was brand new, fresh from yoga teacher training. The second is about seven years into teaching when it first dawned on me that I was going to need to learn something about business in order to make my teaching a career. And the third was when I launched the podcast and the online portion of my business, which was around 2018, about five years ago. So let's start with that first one. When I first started teaching, I was 27, the mom of a toddler, and I didn't have any words or context to understand why social dynamics were so stressful for me. I had very, very, very little money because I was not working myself, and my partner at the time didn't make much money, so finances were incredibly tight. And I had no idea that there would be more money to invest after teacher training. I think a lot of people go into teacher training thinking, okay, this is a self-contained thing. When I'm done, I'll be a teacher. And we don't think, yeah, and then there's like years of continuing education to invest in, but that's a story for another day or a topic for another episode. So I was naive and I had very little brain power to spare as a really young mom of a toddler. If I could go back to that time, if I could whisper in my own ear and give myself some guidance, here's what I would do differently. 
I would definitely attend a lot more classes with other local teachers instead of relying so much on my home practice. And I would develop those relationships on purpose. I would offer to substitute teach classes as often as possible. I would start building my email list right from the beginning. And I would also start studying anatomy right away. Now for some people, the part about attending other classes and making friends with other teachers, this is like a natural thing. But if it's not natural, what I now know is you can make it a practice. Doing it consciously, doing it on purpose doesn't make it fake. You don't have to wait around for it to happen. You can copy the behavior of people who are good at this, who make friends easily, and then notice what works, what feels natural, what feels right for you. So even though you might not be as naturally gifted at making friends, at making connections, it's a skill set that will benefit every area of your life. So it's worth making it a practice if it's not natural. The second one is about substitute teaching. And part of the issue is that substitute teaching is really nerve wracking. So it's easy to avoid, but it's also an incredible way to build your skill set. And it is the most effective way to build a local following. Now, for me, I was a young mom and I didn't have money for childcare. So that was the biggest barrier for me. If I had understood the importance of substitute teaching, I would have been scrappier about finding other moms in the same situation to trade with. The third thing I would have done differently is building an email list. And these days, I think that is pretty obvious. Most people know that building an email list is a great foundation for a business. Well, first of all, when I first started teaching, I didn't really think of my teaching as a business. I, like I said, I was just like, I love yoga. <laughs> I'm going to take a teacher training. I guess now I should teach. Um, yeah, but if I could go back, I think it's a great idea to start an email list right away. And actually, if I had done so back in 2005, it would have been super effective because nobody else was doing it yet. And everybody was receiving fewer emails, so we paid more attention to them. But even now, it's still a very effective way to reach people, to connect with people, and to inform them about what you're doing. The important thing for getting started is to send emails on a regular but sustainable rhythm. So make it a habit and make it relevant to the people that you're emailing. When I first started teaching, again, back in 2005, very few people specialized in specific populations, it was much more common to specialize in a style. And I think we're actually moving away from that, where people are more inclusive of different styles, where they'll bring multiple styles into their teaching and focus on a population. However you define your specialty, it is useful to have some sense of what makes your teaching different and who you're talking to in your emails. But in the beginning, that's hard. So it's totally fine to think of your niche or your specialty as people who enjoy my classes. And then focus on answering the questions that your students ask most frequently. I have an entire episode on how to start and grow an email list, and I'll link to that in the show notes. The fourth tip for brand new teachers is study anatomy. When I left my teacher training, I thought anatomy was pretty irrelevant to yoga because that's how it was presented in the training. 
It was like, here's these body parts, go study them. And there was never any connection made to the practice. But I now know I would have been a lot better off if I had enrolled in an anatomy class at the community college, which was probably my only opportunity at the time, and then use that as a jumping off point to continue my own studies. There really weren't a lot of anatomy-specific trainings out there at the time. And the biggest difference between being a brand new yoga teacher now and being one in 2005 is that in 2005, everything was in person. There was no online trainings. There was no online classes. There was no, not even like blog posts about yoga. So everything was about in person or what people did is they traveled to go study with other people, other teachers. But I couldn't do that because I was poor and I had a two-year-old. And that experience is what inspired me to start the podcast. Now, I know I'm not the only one who had that idea and that experience, but I guess I just want new teachers to understand how lucky they are to have access to so much information at the tips of their fingers. These days, sorting through the information is the challenging part. So my recommendation for anatomy for yoga teachers is Anatomy Bites, which is a yoga-specific three-year anatomy program with Dr. Libby Hinesley. I will also put a link to that in the show notes. Okay, so those are four tips to pass on to any other awkward autism-adjacent individuals who are getting started as a yoga teacher, but they might also be useful to anyone getting started as a yoga teacher. The next beginning was about seven or eight years into teaching when I transitioned away from a corporate job that was not healthy for me and into this project of teaching yoga full-time. Now, as I look back, it's kind of crazy that I made that leap because I was a single mom. I had separated from my daughter's father and I was not getting a lot of financial support from him, like maybe a couple hundred dollars a month. So yeah, in retrospect, I'm like, what were you thinking? As you know, it all worked out okay in the end. I had this vision. I wanted to teach yoga full time. There wasn't anything else that I wanted to spend my life doing. And I realized that I needed to learn a bit about business in order to make that work. I was really starting at ground zero. I knew nothing about business. Business was just boring and gross at the same time. But my desire to teach full-time was stronger than my aversion to learning business. And so I began to open my mind and I began to look for resources. Now, the main thing that I wish I had done differently is invest in a course, in a framework that I could follow that was step-by-step. Because I was just trying to learn piecemeal here and there. I even hired coaches, which I now realize I was not ready for. I needed the education first. So I wish that I had borrowed the money, frankly, because I would have had to do that and learned principles of business in a more systematic way earlier on. I 100% believe it would have paid off many times over, over the course of the five years or so between when I first realized I needed to learn business and when I first took the leap and invested in a course. Now, these days, There are so many online courses out there. It's tough to weed through them. It's tough to decide between them. The main thing to look for is a course that focuses on teaching principles versus teaching techniques or strategies. It's tempting to be attracted to the strategies. That's the quick fix. Just tell me exactly what to do. 
But if you don't understand the why, the principle behind the strategy, then when the strategy stops working, and it probably will, you're going to be in trouble. So look for a course that focuses on principles first and teaching you how to think about the strategies you choose rather than just walking you through strategies. The third and final period of my business that I think of as a beginning, at least for now, was when I did finally invest in a business course and took my business online, which is when I started the podcast about five years ago. If you've listened to a lot of my episodes, you know that I started with a market research project of 100 conversations with yoga teachers. And this was an incredible learning experience for me. So I definitely am glad that I did that. I do wish I'd been a bit more specific. If I had narrowed that down, I think it would have been even more valuable. What I did at the time is I just put the call out there to talk to any yoga teacher, any level of experience, any part of the country in the world, any style. And definitely some of those conversations were a lot more productive and helpful than others. And so I do think that that's one thing I could have done better is be a bit more specific from the get-go, even with the market research. And with that, I do wonder, would it have been better for me over the long run if I had created a more specific focus for the podcast? Because this podcast is and always has been about anything that would interest yoga teachers. Now, I do have a strong focus on the business side of things, because that's the message I was getting in those market research conversations was how much yoga teachers struggle with marketing and business and how much they wanted support for that side of things. So yeah, if I could go back to that stage, I would get clear on what do I want to offer yoga teachers and then make the market research and then the content of the podcast more specific and in alignment with what I want to offer. Now, I don't know that I was capable of doing that back then. Again, this is like a fantasy. What would I do if I could go back and still keep what I know now? But maybe it'll be useful for you if you feel that you're a bit scattered and you're not sure where to focus. Don't try to just create an audience first and then figure out what to offer them. Now, if you already have an audience, then yes, definitely make things that they want. But in order to create a business that feels more streamlined and sustainable, I think it's super helpful to know what you want to offer first, know what you want to create, the format, the structure that you want to work with people, and then only create things or at least primarily create things that are in alignment with that so that you're attracting people from the beginning, you're attracting the people who want what you're creating instead of the other way around. Again, the other way around can work too, but if I could go back, that's what I'd like to try doing. All right, so those are the three stages of business I think of as my beginnings and what I would do differently if I could go back. I'll summarize quickly. If you're a brand new teacher, Focus on substitute teaching and building relationships within your community. Start your email list right away and don't put off studying anatomy. Make that a priority. 
If you are a confident yoga teacher, ready to transition from part-time to full-time, invest in a business course right away and try to find one that focuses on principles instead of strategies. If you're a more experienced yoga teacher and you're ready to scale your efforts and help more people more efficiently, then make sure that you've done market research and figure out how you want to structure your business. What do you want to actually provide in your business? And then create any promotional content around that rather than just building an audience like I did. (laughs) No matter what stage of teaching you're in, do engage in conversations with your students and your potential students. Think of social media as a vehicle for conversation instead of a one-way platform. I think that the people who do social media really well, I am not one of them, that's what they do. It's a two-way conversation. So don't be afraid to ask your students questions during, before, and after class and engage with them and engage with anybody who's interested in talking about yoga. Okay, what about you? If you could go back and start over, what would you do differently? I would love to hear from you. Actually, if you want to give me a fifth podcast anniversary gift, I would love for you to record a one to two minute message telling me what you would do differently if you could start again. You can do this on my website, teachingyoga.net. I use an app called SpeakPipe. You can also go directly to SpeakPipe, which is speakpipe.com slash yoga underscore teacher underscore resource. I will also put a link in the show notes. I hope this episode has been helpful. I hope it's offered you some insight, inspiration, or maybe just reassurance that you're on the right track. As always, thank you for listening and thank you for caring enough to teach yoga and to listen to podcasts about it.